It's going to be a while before we get there. You know how I am usually. I, uh, I usually have a, a ton of scriptures we're going to fly through today. Um, mark it on your calendar. I have two. <laughs> two references. And uh, it's going to take me clear until the end of the service to get to them. So hang with me for a little bit. I know uh, this, this week is a little different. I told you last week we're going to have a few weeks of messages that are going to be a little different than we're used to. And that's okay, uh, but we're going to gear it a little differently. And uh, I told you last week, we've got some changes coming up this year as far as the building goes and the building program. And some of you are saying, Pastor, I'm sick of hearing about it. Listen, you haven't been in my office or in board meetings, so I don't want to hear a word. Ain't nobody sicker hearing about it than what I am. Actually, I'm excited, but there has been a lot of work to this point with myself and our board members and and Tim Biesecker as well, helping us. It's just a lot of work, but uh, there's a lot going on with it all, and we don't want to lose sight of what our purpose is in the mix of all of it. And um, I really believe, church, what God is doing in our midst and in our church and the ministries of our church and the lives of the people in our church is for our health and for our good, as well as for the good of those that are outside the doors of our church currently. So before we get too far uh, into you know this series that we're talking about, where we're going as a church, I thought it would be good for us to look back and see where we've been and uh, to kind of see where God has been faithful and what He's done in our lives. I myself have been blessed. I've been blessed enough to be in a church to where I had the same pastor from zero to 19 years old. Do you realize how rare that is? It's, it's pretty rare, and, and uh, Pastor Allen was here, I believe, from 1960 to the spring of 1991. And uh, I started coming to this church in the womb. So I was sitting in services before I had a clue what was even going on. I was Pentecostal before I even knew it. <laughs> and so I was blessed enough to sit under that teaching and, and uh, that just being privileged enough to be a part of this church from the time that I was born to now and having never left. And, and it's just made a unique situation for me as, as your pastor and uh, Brother Gifford always, I've had a lot of people in the district ask, you know, how's that work? And they kind of give you that scrunched up look. Brother Gifford, not so much, but others, kinda, how's that work? Uh, I don't know. It's a God thing because <laughs> it shouldn't work. Amen? This morning, I, I just want to do something fun to get us some perspective as we kind of move into this. Uh, I started to do it last week briefly, but I, I stopped myself. If you were here... Under Pastor Allen's leadership, if he was your pastor, or any pastors before Pastor Allen, stand. If Pastor Allen was your pastor, and anybody before Pastor Allen, stand. Now, obviously, we do have a lot of people out because of the weather, um, but thank you for being here. How, let me ask you this while you're standing. Anybody before Pastor Allen? If, you, if Pastor Allen was your only pastor, nobody before, sit down. Wow. Thank you. How far back can we go here? Dad? 39. Jack? He? One year old. 1942. Jake, who was your earliest pastor you remember? Beatles? Cool. You guys can be seated. Thank you. Give them a hand. These are some of our pillars. 
Pastor Allen was my pastor, and I've, I've been reading a lot about all these other different pastors. We're going to talk about a few of them here as we go along this morning. Now I want to go the other direction. If you were here, and you came into our church while Pastor Bill Spears... Now, Bill Spears was our pastor immediately after Pastor Allen left. He was only here for a couple years. But if, if you were here, and you came into our church under Pastor Bill Spears, stand up or raise a hand or something. So there's about one, two, three, four, five... Six, okay. How about Pastor Stevens, if you came in to our church under Pastor Don Stevens? Three, four, cool. Sit down, Larry, you've always been here. <laughs> you're just like me. We're just like, you're just like me. I've only been here a month longer than you. It's your birthday coming up this week, isn't it? Yep. That's what I thought. I'm surprised you hadn't told me about it yet. Usually you're saying, sing me a song. Yeah. yeah. Later. We'll do it later. How about uh, under Pastor Ron Farrell? Who came in under Pastor Ron? Tiffany did. Sandy did. And after Pastor Ron was Pastor Mark. Who, how many of you came into the church under Pastor Mark as your pastor? Just go ahead and stand up. Go up and stand up. Because I'm making a point here. How many of you have come in since I've been the senior pastor? Stand up with them. Nope, everybody stay up. Stay up, stay up, stay up. Everybody stay up. Okay, all of you that stood up at first, look around. And not just the kids leaving the room. Okay, you can sit. You can sit. Remember those individuals that stood up and remember that whole line of kids that just walked out of this room. And you say, Pastor, why are we going through the history of our church? Because we have a new generation. We have a new generation. You say, what do you mean new generation? 11 years ago this year, this, this coming August, 11 years ago, Pastor Mark McMinn was uh, voted into our church as senior pastor. Um, that's been 11 years. We call in our age today a generation being 10 years. That, that number of people that stood up is the number of people that have come into our church and become a part of our church family within the last 10 years or 11 years, give or take. Why is it important? Because we have a new generation. Um, there have been... This is not a new concept, um, but I want, I want us to understand, those of you that are part of this that's new, part of our church, I think we owe you the right to be able to understand who you are, what family you're a part of. Uh, it's not a new concept. If you look into the Bible, you see where uh, the book, there's a couple, three different books, at least, that are written to new generations. One of them is the book of Deuteronomy. You say, what do you mean new generations? Well, Israel had been out in the wilderness for a long season. They come to the Jordan River, and then they refuse to go in, and then they go back out in the wilderness for a season until a generation falls off, dies off, and then they come back again to the Jordan River. In the book of Deuteronomy, is Moses speaking to that generation, saying, Hey, here we are again. Here's the God you serve. Here's the faithfulness that, of the God that you serve. Now, what I am grateful for today is that I'm not standing in front of people looking back at our heritage and uh, our legacy as a church going, Oh, don't be like them. I'm thankful today that we have a heritage of faithfulness. I'm thankful today that we're not using the examples of what everybody else has done wrong. Don't be like that. And we also look in the book of, uh, books of First and Second Chronicles where we see also Israel had been in exile for a long period of time, had been there, and then they, they're sent back to rebuild the walls, to rebuild the temple, to rebuild Jerusalem. And First and Second Chronicles was written to these individuals. It's much like First and Second Kings, but it's written to them because they need to know the faithfulness of God. 
They need to see and understand who they were, God's faithfulness from the beginning all the way, plus to see where they have come from and actually the things that they went through that caused them to go into exile to begin with. Again, thank God that's not why we're here today. Thank God we're not standing here today talking about the negative and the bad things that happened. We're talking about what God has done and what God will continue to do in our church. And I speak these things to a new generation. Our church has a history of its own, just like Israel did, just like those, that body of believers, those that were following uh, the cloud and the pillar of fire, those that were following God through the wilderness. We too have got a history of God's faithfulness. In 1931, there were a series of tent meetings held here in Covington. Mr. Claude Doolin had been conducting street meetings in Covington and had invited Thomas and Lydia Paino to come and help establish a Pentecostal church in the community. The Paino's folks were very successful church planners. Uh, they, they did a great work in Indiana. Actually, if you know where uh, Lakeview Church is in Lafayette, they planted that church as well. Uh, not Lafayette, I'm sorry, Indianapolis, on the west side of Indianapolis. Huge church, looks like a shopping mall. But that church was planted by them as well. But the first meetings were held in the summer of 1931 in a tent located at the corner of 6th and Liberty Streets. Does anybody know Dale and Mary Holt? They live there. Dale and Mary are the most spiritual people I know. They live on the same corner that we had our first tent meetings as a church. But When the weather became too cold for services in the tent, a building located on 4th Street between Washington and Jefferson Streets was used uh, it's called, it, was the assembly of, it was called the Assembly of God Mission. That first slide, Travis, you put it up there for me? Nope, back one. There we go. We see where the, the work was happening here. Nine. These are newspaper clippings. The new Assembly of God Mission was dedicated Sunday evening. The service being conducted by Reverend Archie Brown, pastor of the Assembly of God in Attica. The corner room of the Steely Building on 4th Street has been fitted with seats. Will be used by the congregation as a place of worship. Look how many services they had in the bottom left hand corner Sunday school, 9 30, morning worship, 10 45, evening services, 7 30, midweek services, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday evening, 7 30. Come where the full gospel is preached, you are welcome. They even told us we were welcome for the full gospel before we even asked for it. It's a joke, it's okay, don't worry about it. I like the upper right-hand corner. The Pentecostal tent has been moved to near the canning factory on 2nd Street. Complaint was lodged against them downtown. Let's move on. <laughs> so after that time together, the room above what was the Faust and Fry hardware store was rented for services. There's a picture there. It's a really old picture, but if you don't know where that is, just across the street this way, this is 4th Street running this way, and just across the street is Old National Bank. And uh, the hardware store set right there on that corner of the courthouse is this way. And our church was meeting upstairs in one of those rooms up there where you see the windows above it. And in the summer of 1932, the tent was utilized for services again. It was located at the corner of Liberty and 2nd Street on the southeast corner. Most likely, you know where the, uh, where the IGA or the county market, whatever it is you want to call it, on 2nd Street and Liberty Street, there's a little building right behind Grub Implement. There used to be a little car wash right there. That is where the tent used to set at that time period. And I believe that is about the time my, grandpa's, my grandparents got saved and became part of it all as well. Liberty and Ninth Street was another place it moved to, which is up there by where the Pizza King is sitting. Um, also, Harrison and Second Streets. There's a northeast corner on that on the uh, that 
Harrison Second Street is where that corner, well, Fountain Square down by where the, uh, the bank is, Fountain Trust is, that's where the complaint was lodged against them. I don't know that it was lodged by the Fountain Trust, but anyway, that's where they were sitting. In September of 32, a house with two lots was purchased at the corner of Fifth and Market Streets. I am standing today right now where the parsonage set, where that house was purchased. We purchased these two lots right here and the one just north of us, which is where our parking lot is out here in the cement, which is actually where the new addition is going to be built here coming this spring. Uh, and due to the opposition of having a Pentecostal church in Covington, brother and sister Paino had to secure these lots in secret. Now I read through, and because I'm not going to be really clear on this because I, I read these documents and remembered it after I put this together, but an individual's will, last will and testament, actually stated within it that they had sold this property in secret basically to the Painos, and that the Painos had been paying him off personally, and as long as those payments had been kept up, it was required by him to his family that they would continue to purchase and pay for this land, that they couldn't stop it. Interesting, huh? Brother Paino mortgaged their furniture for what they could in order to start the fund for the building materials. Now they kept a close watch on the materials as people were threatening to come and to burn the materials. They had to keep an eye on it, folks, just so that you know and understand there was a pretty big stir in Covington at this time. There's some paper articles. Let's read the paper articles. September 9, 1932, a people have appeared in Covington claiming miraculous power. They speak with new tongues and also interpret tongues. Many people doubt their claims and would, would welcome an investigation. Several have asked for me for information, so I propose a fair test. I agree to come to their tent and read several passages in the Greek New Testament. They will be asked to interpret. Then I will quote some scriptures in English for them to translate into Greek. If they have the gift of tongues, they will welcome this test. That was in the newspaper. Y'all need to find some news. That's what, I, that's what I say about North 5th Street residents are much wrought up over the new Pentecostal church tabernacle on what was the vacant lot of what was formerly the hardened property. A petition was signed and presented to the council to prevent the same being erected on the ground that the society's actions were a menace to the peace and quietude of the residents. Meanwhile, work is steadily going on. That's what I liked about it. Come on! Give a shout of praise to God. Huh? Somebody's hard-headed. I didn't get it. It's my forefathers, that's why. The Pentecostal Society is erecting a new church or tabernacle on North 5th Street and hopes soon to have it ready to occupy. An effort is being made to stop the building, but it is not likely anything will be accomplished. <laughs> I shouldn't smile so much at those articles, but I do. So the Gospel Tabernacle was completed in October of 1932, and there's a picture of my Uncle Guy in front of it. It's a news, it's a, I don't know if that's just a really bad picture, black and white or what, but that's him standing right in front of the front door. And, uh, and then uh, obviously the building was basic sawdust floor, uh, so on and so forth, large furnace setting in the, in the sawdust floor. And a few, later, a few years later, the furnace was put in a basement and a floor was laid. Folks, it wasn't a cathedral. It wasn't an artistic design of renowned architects. It was a basic building built by the blood, sweat, and tears of the people who longed to have a place to worship the Lord together, a place that allowed the flowing of the Spirit, a place that was unashamedly Pentecostal, a place where Christ would be proclaimed for generations to come. They had moved around in tents for so long, I can only imagine the joy that they actually had that said, we have a place. I wasn't there, but I can imagine. Reverend Tom Paino Sr. and his wife Lydia became the first pastors for the Gospel Tabernacle. Obviously, this is a picture 
uh, that we've shared a lot of, uh, but I don't understand why it has different siding in this picture than what it did when my Uncle Guy was in that picture. It must have been updated at some point. Maybe somebody can answer that for me. But over here to the left, where you see this house, that house is the house that was purchased, and the empty lot obviously is where the building is. But the house is where I'm standing today. And if you look between the buildings, you see a nasty old rugged crooked tree. And that tree sat out here forever and ever and ever and was just cut down probably 15 years ago and removed and it was just as ugly in that picture as it was 15 years ago. <laughs> so the house that was purchased with the property is here and then the Gospel Tabernacle is right next to us. And I guess out of all of this with, this, with this stage of our church's history, what amazes me the most is the fact that all of this took place at a time uh, called the Great Depression. In the middle of the Great Depression... In the middle of a Great Depression, God said, you know what, I'm going to put a little place of hope. And, and, and believers gathered around, and people saved and sacrificed and made sure that there was money and, and, and abilities to be able to put up a building, a place of worship, where people that were without hope could find hope in a small, simple, yet vibrant church. I look at the scriptures also and I see God's faithfulness to his children. God's always been faithful to raise up leaders at just the right time. He raised up an imperfect Moses and, and uh, sanctified him and, and, and called him. And then it went on to you know Joshua and went in through Judges and different ones and Samuel and Saul and David, Solomon, so on and so forth. Many prophets that led the children of Israel. Our church is no different. We've had many faithful families serving our church. This is a picture of Brother Deckard. He was the pastor of the church at the time when that picture was taken, the long picture that we just looked at. Uh, we have uh, many different pastors. We don't have very many pictures of all of them, so I didn't try to go through and put up a bunch of pictures. But from 1931 to 1960, a 29-year period, we had 11 different ministers in 12 terms. And you say, what in the world are you talking about? How can we have 11 different ministers in 12 terms? It's because Brother B.R. Minton, the one that was the pastor at the time that uh, the building the Fellowship Hall is in, uh, 1949 when that was built, he was actually at our church two, two different times. He was there early following the, uh, the Panos, and then he also came back in the 40s and pastored at that time period as well. From 1960 to 2014 today, currently, we have had six senior pastors and 13 associate pastors. So we went from 29 years of having 11 to, what, 54 years of having 6. And obviously most of that is attributed to Pastor uh, Edgar Allen, who was our senior pastor uh, from June 10, 1960 to April 28, 1991. 30 years and 10 months. And if I was to ask you what we've had more of, if we've had more senior pastors or more associate pastors, your first thought would naturally be, Associate pastors, but we've actually had 17 senior pastors total and 13 associate pastors total in the last 82 years. Obviously in part to that because we didn't really have associate pastors until Pastor Allen was here and the church grew to be able to sustain that. So I don't have time to name them all, I don't have time to talk about each one, but each one was important and has served an important role in our church's development and in the lives of the people of our church. And if you're interested in that list of ministers, you can see me after church and we can get that to you. So the next problem was, is when you have a healthy church, it grows, right? 
And so it grew and it outgrew the little gospel tabernacle. And so they had to build the building, which is directly west of us, which is the fellowship hall where the kids are right now. And that building was built and finished and completed in 1949 while Pastor Minton was here. Uh, Pastor Minton is a picture of him right there. So there were many newspaper articles connected with the building of the church. Let me just say that these articles were a little more positive than the last ones. Reverend B.R. Minton, pastor of the local Assembly of God Church, reports this week that progress is being made rapidly on the construction of the new church, which is being erected on Market Street between 4th and 5th Streets. The foundation is to be approximately four feet above ground, and the masonry work is being done by Agnes Angus Minnick of Stone Bluff. Mr. Minnick reached the high record of laying 883 blocks in two days last week. Work, work this week will conclude placing the floor joists, so on and so forth. So... Uh, I guess somebody told me just at the end of the first service that the minute guy just passed away recently. Um, the fact of the matter is, folks, as our church was being built, the, the attitude in the, in the community was a little bit better. Go ahead and go to the next slide. This article here explains a couple of things. And one thing I like about Brother Minton, he's got a little bit of a sense of humor. It says, new theatrical seats purchased in Chicago will be installed uh, before something uncomfortable. Uh, Reverend B.R. Minton, uh, pastor, says, no one will have any trouble sleeping in these new seats. <laughs> he said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get people to come to church. <laughs> the new church constructed of cement blocks has a brick veneer front, which contractor Lowhead completed this week after many hours of diligent labor. A lovely neon-lighted cross is being installed on top of the front of the church this is the gift of Walter Vibbert in memory of his late wife. How many of you, if I said there was a cross on the front of the fellowship hall, would go, oh yeah. How many of you say, I didn't realize there was a cross out there? Yeah. I didn't either. That's why I took a picture of it. I forgot it was out there. I, you don't usually go in from that way, but that was a gift given to the church in memory of a, of a precious wife. The Vibberts had a big part in our church. I, I think we ought to figure out where the neon is and light that bad boy back up again at some point. <laughs> The other thing that's funny is, is in another article, it makes clear that the building was going to have a brick veneer front. And then in time, when the finances were in place, the rest of the building would be bricked. And uh, for our board members and those of us that have been talking about the building project probably can chuckle at this because of the fact that we said as we extend the building to the north, the problem is, is all of our parking is going to be to the west, the ugliest side of our building. So we've talked much about brick and covering and all this kind of stuff. How can, we can, how can we make that look a little bit better? Well, apparently time and finances is caught up. Amen? So the building was dedicated on October 30th, 1949. And the building, again, was built by the blood, sweat, and tears of the parishioners. We have an article here. <clears throat> Roscoe Holy Cross hurt in 13-foot fall. Roscoe Holy Cross, 6028 Street, narrowly escaped serious injuries Wednesday night when a board on which he was working broke and he fell 13 feet to the floor. Mr. Holy Cross and several other men were putting the ceiling on the new Assembly of God church. When the accident occurred, he was taken to his home in a Bedine and Shelby ambulance. <laughs> and an examination by a local physician indicated no bones were broken. He is confined to his bed with severe bruises and wrenched muscles. Two things. If I fall, don't put me in a Bedine and Shelby ambulance. <laughs> It's a funeral home, man. I know, everybody says, but it's all we had. That was the ambulance. I get it, that was the ambulance back then. The other thing is, is how bad is it to be in the middle of a building project and have to get confined to your bed for a little while? You know what I'm saying? 
The truth is, as Linda had shared with me, that this, uh, he was miraculously healed after this. Newspaper is not going to say he was healed and, and okay and, and went back to work, but he was. And it's pretty cool, that little part of, our, of God's history in our church, because he's faithful. Amen. Everybody say faithful. Brother Minton had a heart for missions and hosted many outreaches here in our community, which brought continued growth and life to the church. We have just a few quick articles. This one's obviously inviting the community to the dedication of that building. Also, the next one says the Assembly of God Tabernacle. Uh, I like the bottom. Boys and girls are brought up in Sunday school are seldom ever brought up in court. Yes. It does say seldom, though. It's not 100% seldom. Next, give God a chance. Uh, here, evangelist Freddie Rice, 20-year-old minister and musician, every night except Saturday for the next two weeks at the Assembly of God Tabernacle. Every night for the next two weeks except Saturday, we're having church. That's what they did. Hey, boys, say girls. They were giving away a bicycle, a brand-new bike for free. And uh, this is a $45 bike. Back in the day, I guarantee you, that was not a cheap bike. It was a new Mercury bike. And uh, they had points set up, and they had this in the newspaper, so many points for visitors, so on and so forth, and the winner was going to take home a new bike. Go ahead, next. The Plan of Ages. This is one I've heard a couple of different people talk about. This is a gathering that was done in the community. It's at the Covington Methodist Church. And uh, they invited our pastor, Minton, to come and to share the next screen, his... Uh, this chart of end time studies through the book of Revelation. And what I like most about this part of our church history is, is the fact that a minister, a nationally well-known minister just got up and had a series of, of meetings where all they did was bash and run down Pentecostal uh, teachers and preachers. Now, don't get me wrong, I think some of it we've caused for ourselves because of some silly things, but what he said was this. He said that the Pentecostal movement has not brought anything positive to church world or Christianity whatsoever. And folks, I'm going to tell you what, I think it's pretty cool that back in the 40s, we had a man of God that worked here at this church, preached and teached and taught and, and uh, loved the Lord and loved the people and was invited by the community to do a lecturing and teaching upon the book of Revelation to give insight into the local churches in the community. I'm going to tell you what, there are people that are Pentecostal that do read and understand the Word of God. And that excited me. I like that. We can move on. Assembly of God's pastor receives call to Florida pastorate. Can I get an amen? amen. Actually, the reason I put that up there is because when I was going through these articles, I had to laugh. If you look at the date somebody wrote on that article, 6850, uh, Minton built this church or helped went through this building project that was completed and the church dedicated October 1949. Must have been a cold winter. Because it went from no October 1949 to the spring of 1950, he felt the call to Florida. Must have been a winter like we're having this year. I don't know. So following the new construction, the completion of the new building, the old building was sold to the Boy Scouts, later repurchased, and then given to the Assembly of God Church in Hoopston, Illinois, to be used in building their church. And the new building was remodeled in 1961. In 1966, a new parsonage was purchased at 1018 10th Street, and the original one was removed for parking. I thought it to be pretty cool that our church gave that building uh, to Hoopston to put up a building. And folks, I'm not sure, but I think the building is still standing over there. 
uh, Carissa Holy Cross, her dad used to go there and do some teaching and preaching when the church was still active. It was uh, dwindled down to just a few members, but when I looked it up on Google, I really intended to drive over to Hoopston this week just to check the, day, the, the address out, but by Google Maps, you can look and see a little rectangular building sitting right there on that spot, and I'm sure it's just the same framework of what used to sit out here. So I've heard many great stories about church over in what is now the Fellowship Hall to us. Uh, God was faithful at that time too. Uh, some famous music groups came through. I hear Jake laughing already. Guess which one he is, folks. He's got hair. Maxine down here on the piano playing some music. Obviously Lowell sport, sporting the bow tie. Larry Randall's there and then Jake with the bass in the back. Look at him, don't he look suave? Some great men and uh, Brother Randall's there in the middle. Huh? Looking good. We had, uh, the only reason I say this is that I've had several people come to me and say, Pastor Bob, boy, when we have church over there and the fellowship hall, I was a youth pastor at the time, I said, man, we have church over there, you know, in the old sanctuary, yeah. Man, it was good all the time. We always had good services over in the old sanctuary. I say, you know what? We're still having good services over in the old sanctuary. Still, our youth ministry is still growing and God ministering and the Spirit of God moving over there as He moved these lives. This picture was just too awesome. I had to put that up. <laughs> Unfortunately, there is a part of a, bit, a dark period in our church's history. And some of you that have been here a long time, you say, oh, he's bringing up the split. Listen to me. I want to tell you something right off the top here. I don't care what it was for. I don't care whose side was on what side. I don't care what lines were drawn. I don't care. I don't know. I didn't even know there was a split until I was an adult and I grew up in this church. All I know is that apparently something happened. I don't know what it was. Don't care to know. Don't want anybody even talking about it. Can I get an amen? amen. All I want to point out is this. God was faithful. For a season of 1955 to 74, there were two Assembly of God churches in Covington. A group had split off, started Bethel Full Gospel Assembly. And that church building, that building is still standing. If you go up Liberty Street, go past the VFW, and uh, just as you get past the VFW and look to your left, they've turned, them in, turned the building into apartments. There's a large parking lot there. You can't really miss it. But that was the Bethel Full Gospel Assembly for a season. And uh, I remember this place as a small child, but not as a church. It was a small grocery store for a short time. I remember going in with mom and uh, looking, checking out the grocery store in the meat section. I don't know why that sticks out in my head so much, but it does. And uh, going in there and remember hearing them talk about, yeah, this used to be a church. And even alluding to the fact that they had attended there at one point. And I'm sitting there going, wow, I didn't, I didn't know. But even then, had no idea that there was a church split. I want to say this about both churches. There's no right or wrong. God was faithful to both, and both churches reached the lost, and eventually both came back together with repentance and forgiveness. Let me say something real quick. When you have church splits today, everybody talks about reconciliation, but it don't usually happen, does it? You realize how rare it is that two bodies of believers kind of split off, and after 19 years come back together? That's very, very rare. It's extremely rare. It's a God thing. And while God is the answer to how this took place, there was also a vessel for Him to work through. New Assembly of God minister 1960, the Reverend Edgar Allen of Logansport has been assigned to the First Assembly of God Church, corner 5th and Market Streets, and will deliver his first sermon here on Sunday, August 7th. Reverend Allen, Mrs. Allen, and their daughters will be honored with a Sunday school picnic at noon. Sunday, members and friends of the congregation are invited to attend. Pastor Allen 
was here in 1960. Came in 1960, came to First Assembly, and he walked into a church that was hurting, was filled with wounds and scars just after a split. He and his wife and his children came in and simply began to love people and uh, treat them and honor them with respect and, and to teach them truth and who God is. He's a man, Pastor Allen is a man that is highly respected in the community, in our district, and in the Assemblies of God in general. And here's an article with him with C.M. Ward, a national AG radio evangelist, as he talked about the work God was doing in Covington. The man came to Danville and uh, was able to share what God was doing here at our church on a national radio show with Pastor Allen standing behind him there. Pastor Allen preached truth and repentance and began to groom the congregation for restoration with the Bethel Church. Health began to be seen again. How many of you know you get a healthy leader and somebody that loves God, loves people, is going to serve and teach truth, there's going to be health in the church. Amen? Amen. There became a time when there was a need for a new sanctuary, one that would be big enough to meet the current and future needs of the congregation. In 1970, Pastor Allen and the church board broke ground on the sanctuary that we're in right now. You see a few pictures of that day, just probably right here, right in this area where we're standing now. And uh, he's there with several from our church and the Indiana District Superintendent at that time. And then the next slide, you see where there's walls of the front of the sanctuary going up right here where we're at today. It was an exciting time for our church, folks, but it wasn't exciting just because a building was going up. It was exciting because God was restoring His people back together. Pastor Allen began to teach the people how to respond as families would begin to return. And the Lord had showed him at one point that there would be reconciliation between the two churches. And by 1974, all properties of Bethel were absorbed into First Assembly and the split was over and done. I spoke with Pastor Allen just last week about this, about this time on the phone. And I'd called him about, you know, I'd been reading all these articles and been thinking about him. I said, I just want to call and talk with you. And, and when I called him to talk with him, I asked him, I said, you know, can you just kind of tell me what that time frame was like for you as a pastor coming into a split and trying to, trying to bring reconciliation and, and uh, ministry? And, and he said, you know, Bob, this is what he told me. This is, this is just typical. Those of you that know Pastor Allen, this is typical. I said, so what was that time period like? He said, well, we used to have fellowship meetings. And... Uh, the two churches, our church, the Assembly of God and, the, and the, the Bethel Church, would get together and have fellowship meetings, like on Sunday nights or something. I don't know what nights they were. But he said there was a, the next day, uh, his daughter Judy, who was five years old at the time, was looking at having to uh, go and have surgery. It sounded like exploratory surgery on her ears. The doctor had told her, said that she's going deaf. Said, your daughter's going deaf and, uh, you know, we just need to do this surgery and figure out what's going on. And he went to that fellowship meeting just burdened and heavy and he, he gathered everybody up both people there were people from each congregation there and he said look my daughter's in serious condition we're going to be taking her to this this surgery tomorrow could could everybody just gather around and pray for her and he said they all prayed and he said bobby said after we were done praying your grandma come up my my grandma becky my dad's mom came up to pastor allen and said uh your daughter's healed the lord spoke to me and he she said Go ahead and do this exploratory surgery, but she's not going to have any trouble from this day forward. And he said, I just took it as a word of faith and believed it. We went and had the surgery done the next day. The doctor took out a little bit of infection in both ears. Uh, he said about a half cup total of like some fluid and some different things. And he said, you know what, Bob? He said, to this day, Judy can still hear a whisper across the room. Amen. And after he told me that, I sit there and I thought, 
He didn't answer my question. I asked him, what was it like to have to lead through that time and what was the atmosphere and, it, and then it clicked. Details aren't important. What's necessary is to know that God was faithful. God was still healing people. People that, that, that for whatever reason had created some, some lines and uh, you had an individual from a different church praying and prophesying to a pastor from the other church, praying for a kid from the other church. You had both churches together doing something. They were seeking God and they were fellowshipping with one another. How does reconciliation happen? It happens when you have leadership that will encourage people to be together, pray together, will believe God together and see God together. Listen, folks, God was faithful to both churches in both times and then brought them back together. How cool is that? I'm not exalting a split. I'm exalting the fact that God is bigger than people's agendas or, or uh, hurt or anything else and brought reconciliation. Do you realize what a rare family you're a part of? That does not happen very often. I need to hurry up. I'm running out of time. So since that time, more health and growth has come. Pastor Allen was here for quite a while. There's a picture of him there with the Copelands. Some of you remember the Copelands, him and his wife there with them. But there was so much growth and health, there needed to be another building project out here where the offices are, some help for Sunday school and for offices to be there. And uh, Sunday school is important. We believe in investing our kids in our children's ministry. i got several slides here of children's ministry things. Obviously, Messner was pushing in the newspaper for 300 for Sunday school and uh, pushing for that. Our next slide has a picture of the Friendly Circle class. Does anybody know anybody in the Friendly Circle class? Merrill, are you in there? It's not this Merrill. It's a different Merrill, right? Okay, your name's coming up in the next slide, so we'd have known you're in it anyway. Next slide. The Family Circle class of the Assembly of God Church enjoyed a class party Thursday, April 1st after school. A wiener roast and party was held with Mrs. Rebecca Fairchild and Mrs. Audie Hutz as hostesses, games, and contests were enjoyed by the group. Those present were Kay Ware, also known as Kay Zello, Janine Ingram, Evelyn Cunningham, Merrill Holy Cross, Marjorie Smith, June Redenbaugh, Beverly Pavey, Janet Myers, and Carol Fairchild. There were three guests, Bonnie Mycroft. Bob, that's your mom, isn't it? Bob's going, hey, my mom went to Sunday school here. <laughs> Claire Allen and Nancy Bush. There's a lot of people there that you know. Uh, other people are precious in our church and congregation. This one's my favorite, though. Members of the senior high school class of the Assembly of God Church were entertained Saturday evening by Miss Donna Doolin at the home of her parents, Mr. and Mrs. Francis Doolin, 10th Street. A short business session was held in which the class members voted to have a party each month. That's my kind of Sunday school class. Here's the funny part, though. They were at the home of Mr. and Mrs. Francis Doolin. They selected to have a party each month. Look where the next one is. The next party is to be held at the home of Marie uh, and Mac Fairchild. They said, you want to have a party every month? Have it somewhere else. <laughs> the group enjoyed watching television, also playing some games. Guests were Mrs. Mark Dinsmore and Morris Cornell of Vetersburg. Refreshments were served by the hostess. Uh, members attending were Mac and Marie Fairchild, John and Jean Layton, Jimmy Verdon. How many of you know a Jimmy Verdon around here? You know him, Larry? He's a good man, isn't he? Uh, Jimmy Verdon, Jack Randalls, and the class teacher, Mrs. Bernice Livengood. Go ahead to the next one there. 
uh, elections and so on and so forth. I like the bottom where it has a picnic was held by the Assembly of God Church. Sixty people showed up. We broke that one the last couple of years, haven't we? It's neat to see that we're still doing some of the same things. Go ahead to the next slide. We've always invested in children. We've always been a church that invests in children. Even way back in the 50s and on up, we start counting up to the years. I don't know if anybody knows these people. This one is teaching our children right now over in Genesis Kids Church. Carla. And this one here is April Bracknell, also known as April Keel. April, I'm sorry, what was her maiden name? Julian. <laughs> April Julian. And then, which one is it, Meryl? Is that Kurt or John? Is it John? Can't tell for sure. Been a long time, hasn't it? All right, next one. Here's some more Sunday school pictures. It's kind of faded and dark, but Larry, do you know this guy right here? That's my man. That's my man, Larry Verdon. And that's Heather Alexander. And then that's, that's uh, Michael uh, Shropshire, I think. Dina Noble. Suzanne Phelps. Missionary assistant right now. Jason Story. I don't know who this little kid is. Uh, I know that one. That's your pastor. And Derek Holy Cross. There's that little Derek Holy Cross. I don't know this little girl either. Does anybody know her? Anyway, move on. We'll move on. We've always been a church that loved kids. We've always been a church that's invested in kids. And little Jimmy became Big Jim and drove the kids around. Amen? That's who we are. That's what we do. Let's keep going. And I like this because it's a, it's a Christmas play. It's an article about a Christmas play. The play ends with a scene in Bethlehem taking part will be Gene Layton as the crippled boy, Thelma Holy Cross, his mother and Andrew Nixon, his father, Maxine and Linda Holy Cross as the young mother and child. <laughs> Three girls, Meryl Holy Cross, Janine Ingram and Karen Ware, woman of low esteem, Doris Holt. And drunken man, Carl Ingram. Three men who, had, who visit the Christ child, Ray Verdon, Harlan White, and Carl Ingram. Three wise men, Francis Doolin, Jimmy Verdon, and Max Layton, innkeeper and wife, Carl and Jean Ingram, Mary and Joseph, are Catherine Kraut and Reverend D.L. Messner, and three robbers, Jack Randalls, Max Layton, and Freddie Verdon. I want to know how Freddie and Jimmy got the Y's and I.E.'s off their name, because I'm still called Bobby all the time. Next. And look, we go all the way up to today. We're consistently still ministering to our kids. This is from our Christmas program this last year. And we have our new kids. And then the next slide shows us our old kids. <laughs> so then the next slide shows all of them together. So it shows who we are as a church. And you always minister to the kids, whether it be through uh, CAs, which here's a thing from CAs. Christ's ambassadors, some of you remember this song in the CA's department, ministering to youth and all those things. Because why do we do all these things? Because you never know what a kid's going to grow up to be. Next slide. There's your pastor with the youth pastor standing in our foyer. Why do we minister to kids in Covington? Because we know that the next person that comes up has got a responsibility to invest the things of God in them as well. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> We've continued the same heart of ministry 
and we've continued to work. Many souls have been saved. Many have been called into ministry. We see where Kay Zello went to work in the inner city. Well, that's Pastor Allen. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. Pastor, go ahead and go back up. I'll back up. Pastor Allen was here for 30 years, almost 31 years. And in the time that he was here, uh, the church, church attendance went from 33 to about 150 for his final service. Been through two building programs, two remodels. Many souls were saved, so on and so forth. Kay Ware, uh, Kay Ware uh, who turned out to be Kay Zello later, uh, went in with um, David Wilkerson. Uh, if you've read the book, The Cross and the Switchblade, she is mentioned in it. Went out to work with him with inner city teens, uh, former gangbangers and, and ones that are wrapped up in gangs and drugs and, and, bond, and that kind of stuff. And a little old Covington girl went and ministered to him in New York City. Why? Why am I telling you this stuff? Because we as a church invest in those that are younger, our children, our next generation, constantly pouring into them, believing God to do a work so that they can go out and in turn minister to communities of lost and dying and hurting people. And we've, we've, we've continued in the same heart of ministry and God has continued to show himself faithful. And now we stand today at a place once again of moving forward, expanding to meet the need of growth, to do God's faithfulness to our children in the ministry areas that we need in our church. So if you've been here for 82 years, or if you've been here for a day, I want you to know why we are ministering to you the way we are. The way the church is set up, the way it's designed, is so that you would become a part of the family and that you would know the type of family that you're a part of, first and foremost. We're going to continue to simply love God, love people, and serve others. But most importantly, we need to be reminded of the faithfulness of our God. I open this message talking about uh, the books that were written to new generations. So if you look at Deuteronomy 32, Moses says this, verses 3 and 4. At a time when they were preparing to go in to the promised land, at a time where they kind of reestablished God as their God, at a time that they were looking ahead to the great things of God, he says this to them, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock his works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. He says this to a group of people that have been through some stuff. He said it to a group of people that had had a history. Yes, they'd been rebellious. Yes, they're, they're, they'd had problems and issues. But this generation had been raised up for a time such as this. And they needed to be reassured that as they crossed the Jordan River and they saw fortified cities and giants, that God is faithful. My friends, my message to you today is simply this. God has been faithful through the good and bad to all of our church, and He's going to continue to be good, uh, faithful through the good and bad. If you're a visitor today and all this stuff seems weird to you, I'm sorry. Come back next week and make a little more sense. But I just had to do this this week. The fact of the matter is this. Will there be challenges ahead of us? Yes. Will there be victories ahead? Of course. And let me just say, who knows, 80 years from now should the Lord tarry? Eighty years from now, a pastor may stand up in this pulpit and talk about what God has done over the last 80 years, that this time right now, the moments that we have as we move forward, what God is going to do through it is not yet known. I don't care if names are ever mentioned or anything else, but it's because of the faithfulness of God that each thing has ever happened. So I leave you with this last verse today, the advice that the Apostle Paul gave to a young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 11-13. Here's a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. 
for he cannot disown himself. You don't incur the favor of God by church attendance, but by dying to sin and becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus. You may endure some hard things, some difficult things in life, and you will reign with Him as you overcome. And at times where you're even beat down and faithless, He will remain faithful. He doesn't change. So make Him the foundation of your life. Period. Things change. He doesn't. And throughout the history of our church, there was a lot of changes. We have changes to come. But folks, I'm excited because God's doing a work here. And He's going to continue to do a work. And throughout the process, always remember, God is faithful. God is faithful. Stand with me this morning.